Uh, yeah. Check it out. Welcome to the Books by Authors podcast. How are you both? Good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. I'm good too. I'm good too. You know, happy to talk, you know, shop. Yes. As usual. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> why don't you introduce yourself for the listeners? Um, Adam, you're you're a staple to the show now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man needs no introduction. <laughs> all right so yeah adam gaffin i'm the author of the cassidy chronicles uh there it's a five novel series right now uh and the omnibus edition is just about to hit the shelves it's a science fiction adventure and if you want to follow me go to my website cassidychronicles.com awesome 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 all right. Um, my name is Samuel, um, debut author of uh, Ocean's Odyssey. Uh, it's like an Afro fantasy. Um, pretty much, it's about uh, you know young, you know, kind of like coming of age story, um, full of mythical, you know, uh, creatures and magic and you know all the fun stuff. And um, um, it's on Amazon, and um, it's the first of um, first of the series and um you can uh catch me on twitter if you decide to follow me that's where i'm at mostly even though i haven't posted in like forever <laughs> uh so you can follow me at, at uh s.animato um and then you can also go to my website which is www.animateworks.com um and that's where i you know post some of my blogs and stuff like that so awesome awesome so Today, I think we're going to talk about character, um, uh, character development, how you create your characters. I think it's always an interesting conversation about how people come up with characters and the range of uh, the way these people interact with the story. So we can talk a little bit about side characters, um, how you handle your MCs versus your side characters versus, uh, you know, the random NPCs that pull up throughout the story. And, uh, the ways we give them life and how they interact with things, um, how we create personality, realistic characters, and all that good stuff. Um, so I think we should just jump in. Uh, the first question I want to pose uh, is, who is the favorite? Who is your favorite character to write? Uh, whether it's in your current story or something that you're working on, who's the favorite character that you have right now to write with your whole cast? I'll let Adam go first. <laughs> All right. Um, well, it, it's a good thing that Kendra's not listening to this. Um, <laughs> but I, I would say that my favorite character to write, the one who is the most fun right now, is uh, Commander Daniela Garcia K. Uh, she is a direwolf pilot, which means she's a fighter pilot. And so she's got all the virtues and vices of a fighter jock. You know, she goes out there, she hangs her skin on the line, uh, comes back, and the whole Tom Wolf right stuff, you know, uh, flying and driving and drinking and do it all again the next day. So she's just, she's a lot of fun to write. And she's, you know, it, it, it's, 
it's funny how you know characters who are supposed to be in there for just you know a minor little scene i mean she's been in this since this second book and she was just supposed to be you know this kind of quirky little character that was in there just because she was one of three sisters who were all in the fleet and she's really turned into not a main character but she's definitely more important than a secondary character. I mean, she, you know, there are parts of it that are about her. And yeah. So I'd say, yeah, Daniela is definitely my favorite to write right now. Sounds good, sounds good. Um, I think like going a little bit off of his point, I mean, I'm not gonna give, you know, any specific names or anything. I'm just gonna give a broad, example of the type more so the type of character that i like to write um and i feel like um that comes down to for me is the characters that actually as you're writing the story um takes on a shape of its own and that's besides the main character right and that's that's a um besides the main character, like a side character or a character that before you were writing you didn't really have you know much uh, um, in, in, you know, it, like as based on its uh, story arc, you didn't have much going for him, but then for some reason, as you're writing it, it takes on a life of its own. And then from then on, you, you, you get really excited for this character because you're like, wow, like, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you know, you pretty much follow, you know, his arc and it turns into something that you didn't expect. And I feel like that's always like, for me, like a lot of the, the, funnest characters to write are some of these characters that kind of like take on a life of his own as you're writing the story. And um, yeah, to me, those, yeah, those are- Daniela definitely falls into that category. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I could tell like that's that's the kind of character that, you know, uh, the Daniela character kind of like fits into. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, one of my favorite characters, um, it's, a, it's one of the queens. She really, in the first book, she only she's only in two chapters. But they were some of the most fun chapters I had to write because she was just so eccentric, so out there. Um, the things I could have her do and people could accept were just <laughs> wild because it was just her. It was her character, the way Queen Mary. Everyone that's read the books, they know Queen Mary. She jumps out the moment she's on the page. And in book two, when I started writing her again, I was like, I can do more with her. Like the people yeah. are gonna be excited for her appearance. And she ended up playing a bigger role in book two just because of how much people enjoyed her in book one and how memorable right. she was for the two chapters that she's really on page for. Yeah, that that's those are always, yeah, those are always the fun characters to write because like, you know, they they grip you and and like you have fun writing them because you're like you don't expect much from it at first and then you know at the course of it you're like wow yeah it's like you know it's it's really cool and villains too i do enjoy <laughs> i do enjoy writing a good i mean that's just that's to me that's just standard you know like it's it's uh i feel like for me right now the the character that i I would say not least enjoy, but just as like, if it feels almost like, um, almost like machinations at this point is just writing the main character, 
because I kind of like already has have his path set for him. So there isn't, you know, much surprise for me, like, you know, because I know where he's beginning and I know where he's going to end. So to me, it's just like, you know, formulate for me to just write him down. For me, like the funnest part of it is everybody else. How can I bring everybody else into his journey and make them as memorable, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or close to as memorable as the main character? And I feel like that's where the fun is for me the most part is not so much the main character but you know uh, uh all the other you know side characters and the villains and you know all these things that impact the story um um in the in the main character's journey yeah no i i i get where you're where you are with that um when i started writing all this you know it's it's called the cassidy chronicles because the main character at the very beginning was iana cassidy she was the one who was being shot at at her own wedding, right? So she's the main character. She's the one who That's kicks dramatic. everything off. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> but somehow Kendra, who who was one of the other two people at the wedding, um, she ended up she's ended up taking over the series because she's been pursuing her dream it's a more expansive dream um yeah ayana's dream she was you know she's a scientist so her dream is whatever has caught her attention right now and at the beginning of the first book you know it was the possibility of coming up with a teleport system and she had figured it out uh kendra's dream is much more expansive because she wants to drag humanity to the stars. So over the course of these first five books, it's really turned into Kendra's story and all the things that go on around her. Um, and, and Ayana has now bought into Kendra's dream. So now going, going forward, you know, the track that that's going to include the two of them will be much more balanced about the two of them, mm. you know, and all the challenges that they're going to face. Um, yeah, and Not Daniela, the... I, 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 uh, well, it's just a funny story about Daniela. I love, I love using my fans' names. You know, I'll say, "Ooh, that's a cool name. Can I use it in one of my books?" And so I was talking to this woman whose name is. Justina Brianna Daniela Garcia. And I was like, oh, that's great. Can I use your name? And I'm going to turn you into a set of triplets. You know, so that's, oh, that's Justina, cool. Brianna, and Daniela. <laughs> and, and Justina and Brianna, I mean, they still show up, but they're definitely secondary characters. Daniela, on right. the other hand, has taken on a life of her own. Mm. Yeah, and the the I do have a question for you. Are you now that um, um, one of your characters are kind of like sharing the spotlight with your main character? Um, are you afraid that your fans are going to um, reject it because the main character is kind of like slowly having to share the limelight? And do you feel like you have to dig yourself out of a hole with like trying to reinstate? your main character as like the staple of the story or are you just fine with just going along with actually having these two characters kind of like just share the spotlight like how do you feel about that 
Yeah, uh, <laughs> great question. Um, see, the, the beauty of where I am now is from here, I can take the basic story. I, I've set up basically a universe now where all of these characters, which have all come together for these five books, can now start taking on separate tracks. So there's going to be a Cassidy Chronicles track, which will be, you know, the adventures of Kendra and Ayana. And they're together, you know, they've, it's all, you know, through the various machinations, they've been put together on the same starship and they're together. Boom. That's where we go. Uh, you know, characters like Daniela and others, they can have their own stories now. They can have their own separate novels, okay. which are just a, you know, they're going to be a Cassidyverse novel, a Cassidy Chronicles novel, but it won't be the Cassidy Chronicles as such. Gotcha. It won't be volume six for them. It'll okay. be a Cassidy Chronicles novel. So, yeah, I haven't heard anything so far that says, oh, I really want, you know, really wish you had done more with so-and-so. So I think I've, I've struck the balance so far. It's not like Ayanna, Ayanna disappeared. Um, right. She's always been there. Uh, she's just been, and I've made it clear in the books that the two of them are a partnership. So they are, mm. you know, there are occasional scenes in there where they are talking about whatever's going on and they're bouncing ideas off each other and figuring out, okay, what do we do next? You know, regardless of their role, their larger roles, it comes back to the two of them, you know, deciding, okay, where do we go? Yeah, I, I think I think there's there's always something to those side characters that start to take on lives on their of their own. I think I noticed when I was writing my first book that there were there were always characters. One of the one of the characters that comes to mind, especially with your question, Samuel, it was Jenna. So Jenna was the queen's wife, uh, mm -hmm. and she was just very powerful from the moment she entered the story. And she had a, her own personality. She definitely stuck out. And then as I was writing her more and more, I was like, Jenna's, Jenna's like, like she's she's tough. She, she's gonna be involved in all this stuff. <laughs> way to put her. There was no way to put her in the background. I mean, she was never supposed to be a a main right right character. But now she's we're entering book three, and she is uh, she has a whole story arc and where she ends up at the very end of the story, people are going to feel for because she just becomes such a staple. Uh, when I right, finished, right. even my beta readers, when I started writing, when I started sending them the, the first book and chapters, we had a story arc. For, I ended up writing a story arc for Jenna where she was going to end up. Um, and she went, there's this whole tournament, this whole section of the book just dedicated to six or seven, like I think it was two or three chapters dedicated to just her story. Um, no, from the king's perspective, but it was her, and everyone just cared about what would happen with her. And I was, it was, <laughs> it was like hilarious because it was never supposed to be that. But uh, in the second book, everyone was really concerned with how she's uh, perceived, and 
Uh, by the end of the story, it's like you get the you get the salute, you get her resolution of her side plot. It's not the main anything, but I think side characters definitely play a play a major role. I have another character, his husband. Um, it's King Asher and his husband Tristane uh, ends up playing such a bigger piece of the story than ever should have been the case. And I think sometimes that's just. Uh, people being able to see the relationship between that character and the main character. I think I was going to ask a question about that because I know for, I think one thing I learned is that obviously the the main the relationship to that main character and the relationship to how that other side character interacts and changes that that overall story that plays a big role in how people kind of perceive the side characters. Um, how do you see that play a role with your side characters, their relationship with your with your MCs, if you have multiple, and what they do, and how that how their actions kind of shape the story from the side roles? Um, so for me, um, I try to um, like it's a blessing and a curse when it comes to side characters, especially like the ones that do end up, you know sort of like popping out um, because at the same time, like like uh, Adam said, like trying to strike that balance to make sure that those characters do not usurp your main character altogether, you know, and you also don't want to be caught in that place where you are having more, way, way more fun, like too, too much fun <laughs> writing those instead of your main character, right? Like you don't want to get to that point, you know what I'm saying? Then you're just going to have to just throw your book away and call it something else. You know, just, <laughs> at that point, exactly. <laughs> at that point, you just gotta have to rewrite the story again. So, um, so I I made it so that you know, like like I'm trying to strike that balance. And to me, the best way for me to go about that is um, is to is that my phone? I'm oh, sorry. Um, for me, the way to um, do that is to make sure that uh, my characters in the story that I'm writing um, is to keep them um, directly involved with the main arc of the main character. Like everything mm -hmm. needs to always link back into the main story um, so that the character, the main character is always present within that main tree trunk. So like the branches that are always these side characters are always going to have their roots back into the, you know, into mm -hmm. the, uh, to the main tree trunk, which is always going to be prominent within the story. So no, no matter what, uh, how much these side characters pop out or no matter how popular they get and stuff like that, it will always come back to the main character. And he's going to have to like, you know, be the one who either suffers the consequences or moves the story forward so that his presence is always felt, you know, so that I don't meander, you know, too much from him and then have these side characters go on a tangent, you know, and stuff like that, because I fear that I fear because I know that once they start popping out, you know, like he said, like, you know, I'm just gonna go on it and then just, I could just write a whole other book on them and just, you know, that'll be, that'll be that. But um, uh, for the sake of, you know, being able to having to finish, you know, uh, um, um, you know, the, the, the arc and the story of the main character, like I try my best to make sure that everything always links back to the main, you know, story, no matter how much I branch out, you know, I make sure that I don't branch out too far. Yeah, I like, I like how you said that. I like how you said the, 
the tree trunk and making sure every all the branches still connect back to that. I think that is a yeah, great yeah. visual. Yeah, I mean the, the the image I have in my head is you know with all of my side characters and how they relate. I mean they're all part of the main story, which again revolves around the Cassidys. You know, it, at the center of it, it's always the Cassidys. So, you know those carvings you see. You know, somebody will take a piece of wood and they'll carve a whole bunch of intertwining branches, but it's all within the parallel. It's all within yep. the border of the wood. So you have all of these different things weaving in and out and back and forth. And, but they're all going in the same direction and they all end up in the same spot. You know, the bottom is usually solid and the top is usually solid. So that's pretty much how my books you know, how my books work. At the beginning of the book, you know, it's a whole bunch of these threads, you know, and every time I change to a, a different character, pretty much it's a different chapter, you know, which is why I end up with so many chapters in my books. Uh, <laughs> you know, the so George R. R. Martin syndrome. <laughs> so there'll, there'll, there'll be a chapter with Kendra and Ayana, and there'll be a chapter with you know, Allie and her ship, and there'll be a chapter with Daniela, there'll be a chapter, you know, there'll be a chapter with the antagonists, and there'll be a chapter with, you know, some other characters, and that, you know, and it's all weaving back and forth and back and forth and building up on each other, and things that are happening over here are going to, you know, going to affect the characters over here as soon as they, as soon as their paths cross again. Um, and again, at the end, everything is uh you know all the stories all the storylines that i intend to end in that book have ended you know the the, the tricky thing is not ending the storylines you don't want to end because you intend to write them somewhere else mm, right 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 i think um <laughs> me too i was as you're speaking like i was thinking about you know and visualizing it too and um um also like um what I've noticed that, you know, for me, the best formula for, you know, the story that I'm writing right now to make sure that, you know, it goes according to plan is, you know, I kind of like started the story off like a, like a big bang, right? The big bang theory, you know, have that, you know, initial explosion and the initial explosion kind of like, you know, it, it sends all of these characters and all these stories out, you know, expands them out, you know, and as far reaching as possible. And then we have the reverse entropy, you know, to make sure that the, it comes all the way back together, back to that point of initial, you know, uh, uh, um, um, like, like kind of like how, where the Big Bang starts. So it like goes out and then it comes right back, you know, so like no matter how far, you know, they go, you know, like um, it's like, I take the characters and the side characters and I make sure that, you know, I can push them a little far, you know, push them, you know, as far as I possibly can. And um, and I try my best to make sure that that's the hardest part is, you know, bringing them yep. back together, you know, bringing them back into the fold. And uh, uh, um, that's also the funnest part because that's when all the arcs begin to tie in and all the stories begin to tie together. And so like, that's, you know, that's the formula, you know, for you know, for the the stories that I'm writing, and I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but um, 
it is Eddie, it's, it is kind of like the easiest formula right I guess like most you know uh um most most of the formulas is usually like you know kind of like explosion spread out you know come back and then tie everything together so you know I try to stick to the easy things as as, as much as possible yeah I, I definitely agree with that I um I definitely do something very similar uh, my stories always start with these uh I, I like I have multiple POVs in my stories um, they always start in very different places. Everyone's doing yeah. something very different. They all seem like, why is this? Why are we getting this perspective from this angle? <laughs> <laughs> and you start with the questions of why is this important? Um, and then closer to the middle of the book, you start to realize how these things can get connected. And then about 75% of the way through, you're like, this is going to come together crazy. Like I can see right. all <laughs> on a crash course. <laughs> and then you really get the crash course of why they're all uh, connected and how they're all influencing each other. And that's when the that's when it really starts to speed up as far as like these characters are all going to meet at some point or some right. one decision this person made is going to... Right, it's going to affect the whole thing. <laughs> it's going to affect yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> Uh, and I think that's a it's a fun way to write stories. And I I wanted to ask a little bit about um, writing writing characters. Um, I know one of the things that I definitely found really interesting when I first started was how to create the main how to make the main character interesting. Um, one of the things that I I do uh, myself is try to make them very active participants in the story. Like the story, like you said earlier, it's like the story um, revolves around them and everyone interacts with them. Everything happens through them. Uh, they, are, they, are, they have agency in the story. Um, side characters aren't the ones who make the decisions that then influence the rest. It's usually my main characters that um, push the narrative. They usually make the final decision. Um, and I think it makes it so that the, the story kind of seems like their story. It's them that's... Right. Uh, that's making the choice. It's them that's dealing with the consequence of their choice. If they make the wrong one, you're like, ah, well, I remember they were at the meeting and, and then someone else brought a different option and they decided not, not to follow that. So I was wondering how, how you create character agents or how both of you create character agency. How do you make your characters feel like they are pushing the plot forward, um, especially your main characters? You want to go first, Adam? Or? Sure. Uh, so when I, way back when, when I started writing this, Ayana was, I, I started out with a couple of very basic, almost cliched characters. One is the, the scientist who's kind of disconnected from the real world. And the other one is the person with the mysterious past, you know, that's, so, and I threw them together. Ayana obviously is the scientist. Kendra is the person with the mysterious past. And it's that past which ends up um, saving their bacon in the end. Uh, be, you know, just the way it was written. And so the process of revealing her past and revealing the decisions that went into her past and how it's now affecting their present and potentially their future. That's one thing that's pushing the story forward. And Cass, um, 
getting used to the idea of living in the real world again and not just research. I mean, her research has real implications. Somebody took a shot at her. Uh, you know, that's her, that's her growth through the course of the book. And, you know, them both learning about each other because I, again, I had set up in the book that they grew up together. You know, they, they were childhood friends and they split up uh, when they graduated high school, their paths diverged and it's about 12 or 13 years later and they've come back together. So, you know, they, they have a gap where they think they know each other really, really well. I mean, they grew up together. They, you know, they did everything together. So they think they know who the other person is. And fundamentally they do. I mean, they, you know, the, the person they were at 18 is still pretty much the person they are now at, you know, 31, 32. But it's not entirely correct. It is not entirely present right at the beginning. So they're discovering things about each other, which is a third leg push, again, pushing the story forward. So as the reader is learning about the characters, the characters are learning about each other again. You know, it's not just the exposition saying, well, this character is this, that, the other thing. Mm -hmm. It's Cass saying, how the hell do you know all this stuff as they're trying to get out of town? And Kendra trying to come up with an explanation that's going to satisfy her. Mm. Yep. Um, for me, um, like how I have some, my, my characters, my main characters, um, at least for the most part is, you know, it has, he has the, uh, all the appeals of the cliche, you know, young adult kind of like character, you know, that's like kind of like naive and steps into, uh, you know, a world of magic and stuff, kind of like the whole Narnia kind of like a complex. Um, and, um, I felt like for me, since he had that, you know, kind of like naive outlook into the world and like not really knowing much being the eyes of the reader sort of like situation, you know, he plays that character. And so like, I found that I had to, um, I had to write him in such a way that he's always asking the right, you know, questions for the readers to, you know, get the, you know, the answers that they were looking for, but also doing it without seeming too like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, too cliche or too like forceful that I'm, you know, I'm just sort of like trying to push the narrative forward um, by just asking all these like perfectly placed questions and stuff like that. Like, how did I end up here? Uh, <laughs> what is in this world, you know? So like, you know, you have to balance those things, but at the end of the day, you still have to ask those questions, right? But it's it's all in the writing, you know, it's all in the, the proof is in the pudding and how you write, you know, how you go about, you know, asking those questions and presenting the answers to the reader. And so like, that was a very hard uh, balance to strike. And so that was one of them. and. Um, also to make sure that the character remained interesting. Um, I had to do a balance of uh, um, doing a hero that was both proactive and also reactive mm. at the same time. Um, because a lot of the stuff that, you know, was happening to my main character in the course of the story was reactive because he was the foreigner in the world, you know, in this new, you know, world that he was into. And so a lot of things were happening to him 
and he needed to react to them. And that was, I had to write it in such a way that I had to make sure that it wasn't so much a character that was like kind of like always having to receive the blow. I needed to make sure that he was receiving it and learning something so that it was part of his growth. So that when he became proactive, you understood why he became proactive. That was part of his, you know, his whole character arc is that, you know, he became stronger from, you know, the things that were happening to him and his failures and stuff like that. And so that was primarily the goal for my first book is to make sure that the growth of my character was um, um, mostly entertaining to the reader, that he wasn't just reading about a character that was just always just reacting to things and all of that stuff, because that can get boring if it's not written right. Um, and so I had to like, you know, find a way to, to uh, uh, make it appealing to the readers and as he's reacting. And also I made it so that he's not just reacting and that he, there's a percentage of his character group that is always being proactive too. And as he's learning, he's also using his, you know, his uh, intellect, you know, that he has to actually like solve problems. And that's a big thing is problem solving, you know, and like, um, the ability to present problems and to solve them is one of probably the hardest things I had to encounter in a story, you know, um, and it has to be compelling at the same time because you can't just throw any, you know, any problem out there and just solve it in any kind of willingly well, or, or else like the reader is just going to be like, you know, like yeah. kind of like kind of just convenient, you know, you didn't want it to be convenient. So you had to, you know, throw out real problems and, you know, come out with, you know, seemingly smart solution you had to be creative in your solutions and stuff like that and, you know made it entertaining for the reader and stuff like that and so that was also a lot part of like what i wrote my character on is to make sure that he was solving problems and not just receiving them and he was solving them in a way that was you know uh, appealing to the readers and that's how i try to keep my character um engaging yeah they can't the characters can't just be pushed from situation to situation. They have to do some of the pushing themselves. Exactly, exactly, know. exactly. The balance yeah. has to be stricken or else, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. you, you, you're going to lose your, you know, you're going to lose some of your readers. Now, it can be fun if it's part of your story to write a totally reactive character, you know, like if it's a part of, you know, the, the, the main crux of the story. Um, it would be a pretty tough thing to do, but um, I'm sure I'm sure there's somebody out there who's done it, you know, like kind of like have that Jackie Chan type of like character where he's just always, you know, like kind of like uh, reacting to what's happening to him and he's, you know, going along with the story and stuff like that. So I'm sure that that's been done before, but um, uh, I'm sure it was a pretty tough thing to, to do. Um, yeah, well, when I think it was have to be a reason for it. Yes. Yeah, that would say. Yeah, that would have yes. to be. It would have to be a part of the story itself for him to be constantly reacting to everything that's going, you know, um, in the story. Yeah, and even and even then, I would think that the character is maybe not being proactive, but they're also they're making a choice. They're making decisions throughout. Right. Um, I know. I I've I have some characters in my stories that are like very much decision makers by choice of not making any choice at all <laughs> uh one of the scene one one scene in particular makes makes me laugh and a lot of people were real mad at the character for not doing anything but uh i, I had this scene on a boat where this crew the crew was captured and their bindings were loose so they could have fought if they wanted to and they just watched everyone get slaughtered and die and they said to themselves <laughs> There's no sense at all of us dying here. 
And <laughs> it was their absence of choice that made them super interesting because it tells you a lot about a person when they could fight and they don't. Uh, so <laughs> it was like finding that little moment there where where they were going to have, a, they had a choice and they chose the different option. Make it. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you have to do it, man. Sometimes you have to, you have to make a decision by making no decision at all, you know? <laughs> you know, that is a decision in itself, you know? Yes, no decision is a decision. No decision is still a decision. So with proactive characters, I was I would think that like obviously the main character, they drive a lot of the plot, they drive a lot of the story. Um, I think Samuel, you talked about villains a little bit. And I wanted to talk about how you create a, a good villain, um, one that can, that people can kind of understand. Um, and that's fun for the reader uh, as they're watching like their their protagonists try to come back. For myself, I like to write, I usually have like a villain character. Like at the end of the day, it's hard to write a story without someone that is just inherently disagreeable to the majority of people. Um, but so like in my first book, we have this one, we have this one character. He's a he's one of the gods, and he is just making decisions that the reader would see as just very selfish, very entitled, and he seems to not care about everyone around him. Um, it is fun to watch his story because the person that's angled as the antagonist uh, to everyone else's point of view is just is his son, Asher, who when you read Asher's story, you're like, Asher is not the, he's barely wrong. He's trying his best over here. His father's a terrible person. Um, so it's fun to, it's fun to write it that way because I, I think we have three character point of views in the first book. In the second book, I have a character that just inherently feels evil. Like he just inherently feels evil. Um, even his ending, it still feels evil, even if he was doing it for the right reason. Um, and I think writing those characters was a lot of fun because they're right in their story. And the way I write them, their dialogue and all the things that they say, it just feels like they know that they're correct. Even if you're as a reader, it's like there is something morally wrong. Um, so I'm wondering what you, what, do you, what you both do when you're writing villainous characters or the antagonist to your protagonist. Um, so for me, um my antagonist, the first thing that I had to figure out was um, his motive um, for what he was doing. Um, and to make it so that it's clear. Um, and the reason why I say that is because, you know, I know a lot of people are, you know, will say like, you know, don't, don't write that, uh, that villain that's, you know, twirling his mustache. And, <laughs> You know, you've heard that nowadays. It's like everybody's like, oh, that is so, you know, written and stuff like that. And uh, do not do that. And, you know, I understand why people say that, you know, like, because, you know, like it is a very prevalent cliche in the fantasy genre and stuff like that. But um, for me, I, I, I always thought in the end of the day, it's, it's not about the type of character you write. It's about how you write the character, you know, even down to the, you know, cliche villain, um, as long as you are writing him true, 
you know, if, if you're writing him to the truest of like how you want the story to go. And also you're making sure that everything about him, his motivations, everything like that are clear to the story, then, you know, um, it, it will end up, you know, um, being just as engaging as any other villain. You know, so it does to me, um, it doesn't really matter. So in the end of the day, like, um, um, not that I wrote a cliche villain, but I wanted to write an antagonist that, you know, that felt like he was a bad person. And he knew that he was a bad person. He wasn't trying to hide the fact that he was a bad person. You know, he's not trying to sell you on anything. He just knows what he's doing and he's perfectly fine with it. And he will do whatever he needs to, to get to that end. Um, and, um, and so I just, I just needed to make sure that those things were clear in what he was doing. He was proactive in what he was doing. And whenever I was in his head or I was in a chapter that was involving him, I needed to make sure that he was moving the story forward and that he wasn't just being that villain. He was being an antagonist because those two things are very different. You know, mm. you can be an antagonist without being a villain, right? You just have to oppose the, the main character, the protagonist, uh, which also the same thing goes for, you know, the protagonist, you know, that's also different from the main character, you know, so I want to make sure that he was not just the, the villain, but also the antagonist and to make sure that he was opposing the main character in a way that made sense to the story and that it, it kept the, you know, the audience engaged with the story and um, it had the low duality to it and, um, and you know, also full of surprises. And that's one of the one thing that, you know, I made sure that I kept it uh, when it came to writing the villain is he needed to be full of surprises that you could never really um, figure out, you know, what his next move was. To me, that was the most important thing. And that, that was a way to balance out, you know, that, you know, that thing about the villain that's like, you know, the cliche, you know, though he is bad, though he's villainous and all that stuff, um, what kept what will keep the 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 audience engaged is the fact that he was full of surprises. Mm. Yeah, I, I've had in these books. I've had two sets of villains because the first book was written. It was supposed to stand alone. Um, it didn't. That, which is a good thing. They, they still have more stories to tell. Um, but. It, in that book, I set it up, okay, here's one villain, you know, here's another one. You're not quite, you don't know what their motivations are. You know that they're talking to each other. And then about two thirds of the way through the book, the, the final villain is revealed and it's a surprise. It, it's a character that had been introduced a long time before and you know, people are like, wait, what? If there were enough hints so that the readers would know, okay, there was something else coming. You know, there's definitely something else here, uh, but that villain was definitely surprised. And, and so, you know, so that's the way the first one worked. The, the, the other four books, I introduced the primary antagonist making it very clear that she she was about holding on to her power and she was going to do whatever 
it took to hold on to her power. I mean, the first scene where you're introduced to her, at the beginning of the scene, she throws her half, she orders her half brother thrown out of an airlock without a suit. Mm. So I mean, it, 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 she starts off and you're just going, oh, okay. Nobody wants to mess with her. So that sets up all the subterfuge that's going to go on later, you know, all the creeping around. And it, and later in the book, a secondary villain arises that ends up blindsiding her. She never sees it coming because she's been so concerned with the external threat, she disregards the internal threat. So, um, and, and like you said, you have to have the villains act consistently. Mm -hmm. You you have to have them doing what they are, you know, if you write, they're doing it this way in book one, unless there has been some major event which changes how they view the world, they got to be doing it the same way in book five. Right. Yeah, I think, I think the consistency in villains really matters. Um, I think ultimately you're really looking at characters that have, for me at least, this is how I kind of look at villains. I like to think of my villains as characters who have these very extreme viewpoints. Um, a lot of my story, it's, it's medieval fantasy, but a lot of it's based with religion. So we have the extremists of the religions and how are they approaching the story in the same way that they might have the same faith and belief as our main character, but what if they took it a couple steps further. <laughs> and that's what I, that was, that was, this, that's the story arc for the second book, which is what if they took it a couple steps further um, of being true believers where there's other people who don't believe and they think everyone should. And what if they were like, we need to make sure everyone does. And they figure out a way and that's the, and that's the crux of the second book, which is realizing that everyone's trying to get the same goal that this main character wants, but it's very different means. And those means end up being the conflict. And then it's finding out, at least for the second book, it's a lot of secrets involved with the second book. And it's them finding and coming to the revelation that this is the case. And what they decide to do once they get the information, which the reader knows almost what the solution will be. Um, they know that they're that the, they're gonna take up arms and all this other stuff. They know what it's gonna be. The, the, my protagonist, or at least one of them, they're the hero of heroes. They are going to be the hero that they could be. They're gonna be the biggest hero in the story. Um, well, <laughs> so a quick question. So is your is your protagonist the one trying to thwart the bad guy or is it the other way around he is trying to thwart the bad guy once he knows he's trying to thwart the bad guy and the story isn't even just about that piece because that is the surface level uh story arc for the reader um who's going to be reading into the deeper pieces and deeper meaning um okay. of just the characters because there's a few other things going on in below the surface 
um, which is the set, which is the rest of the secrets throughout the story. Uh, because we've, I started to implement um, some of the things I like to, I started to think about was backstory. And I think backstory is, uh, might be the last piece we get, the last piece we get to touch on tonight, but understanding where the character was and what they're coming from, understanding who they were and what, what kind of influences the way they think. I think that's a huge piece of um, character creation in general. Um, I know for myself, I look at, I don't, I don't, I don't know everyone's backstory from when I first started writing them. Some characters, they just come up, they just, their name gets written, the servant has a name, now the servant is a whole character for me, and now they need a backstory, then I have to come up with it. And now they need motivation, so now they have to be a part of the story. Um, and I try to figure out every way to, to keep them or plug them in somewhere else. Um, like so, those old school um, <laughs> lottery thing, you remember how you pick the lottery, you pick the name, and then like you shuffle it, pick yep. a backstory. Yeah, keep it. Shuffle it. Pick a role, you get a job. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, so, so I think about that with backstory, especially with MCs, um, how those backstories really matter. Uh, and I know with my main characters, their backstories matter a lot. Um, it influences so much of who they are because you start to realize what they came from and how they were raised. Um, and then you, you see how it influences the world in general um, because of their, their upbringing. Um, I think of that with the side characters. So for, for the question I have is like, what do you think about backstories? Um, one, how do, you, how do you give more information about who the character was to the reader? without being like, oh, let's just go off for two pages about their history. Um, so doing it in an interesting way. And then two, how do you make that relate directly to the story that's being told at hand? Um, my example would be my main character, Aaron, he has a brother. Um, and within the story, you start to figure out what his relationship was with his brother, his brother that was supposed to be king who died. Um, and then Aaron was, then made the heir and that piece of his backstory and what that means to his story in the first book is integral to understanding who he is as a character um, and why he makes the decisions he does. So what I did, um, what I did with the main characters is, I had the, the very first chapter, which ends with somebody taking a shot at cast. And the very next chapter is all about the two of them, hmm. how they grew up, how they got to, how they got to that wedding. So that was, you know, it was, you know, it, it was the, you know, couple pages of background information, enough to get them grounded and to, and to, give the setting for the entire world that I'm putting them in as well mm. um, because that gets woven into it as well I mean it's a science fiction story so you know I need to explain some of what's happened and how things have evolved um, after that things just kind of drop in come up as it occurs naturally in the story uh, for those two characters I'm now actually writing their backstory, I'm doing it as a Kindle Bella, you know, a, a serial story. And it's all about their childhood. And I'm having a blast writing it because, you know, you're, you know, Cass has been a genius since birth and Kendra has been hanging around with her 
you know, since three weeks later. So it, they get into no end of trouble. Um, so that's how I did it for them. And for the, the secondary characters, some of them got a little bit of a backstory uh, because they needed it to give them some motivation for what they were doing. Um, others, the backstory has been much sketchier and I've developed the characters going forward instead of going back because I've, I've mm -hmm. always thought as this series has gotten longer and longer and the characters have gotten more and more interesting, I've always thought that a lot of these secondary characters you know, would benefit from having a, a book written about their life before they met the Cassidy's. So I don't want to give too much away in, in, in terms of that. I don't want to give their whole backstory. I want to make people like the characters and want to know the characters and say, oh, yes, definitely write a story about uh, Allie Martinez and how she ended up getting essentially thrown out of the Northern Imperium Navy when she tried to court-martial the cousin of the ruling family. You know that in the book. You find out because she's, you know, Kendra's doing a job interview with her saying, okay, I need a, I need a starship captain. I need somebody with naval experience. Your name is at the top of my list. This is what I know about you. Now tell me more. So you have some of that. But she had a life before she came into the books. So that could be another book. Yeah, I, I really like that. That's um that's sort of kind of the approach I use also. Like a lot of the side characters, they they have interesting stories based off of what's needed sometimes because you know when it's when you're writing, <laughs> so <laughs> so it gets the story because they need it, um, and then it creates the the whirlwind effect of like now I have all of this content from you. Now imagine what you were doing before this and how that stuff goes. And I think that it goes a long way for readers with world building when they feel like the characters existed long before this story was ever told. Yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, um, going to Adam's point is, um, I think the most important thing, first and foremost, is to get your readers to love your character first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Like that is the most important thing. Um, and with that, you just have to do it through his actions and his dialogues and peppering through the story, the little things that make him you know, human, make him the person he is, right? His fears, you know, um, his loves, you know, everything that, you know, um, we have, you know what I'm saying, as human beings, you know? And so like, that is, that is going to tell a lot about him and prepare the audience for, you know, when you are ready to reveal, you know, um, um, the things about him that, you know, they've been so, you know, a craving for you know and um for me um with my main character i know um um i went with the along the trope of you know kind of like the chosen one trope you know and so um throughout the story um 
I really don't tell you much about him. Um, all the things that I do tell are really like little things, little details about it that are peppered out throughout the story that give you an indication of the things that may uh, 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 tell you a little about him, like his fears, you know, like he's afraid of fire, you know, and so like, uh, for example, when he's sitting um, in a campfire, one of the people, he doesn't want to approach the campfire. And so he backs away from it and, and you know, tries to distance himself from it. But nobody really knows why. They just see it as something that, oh, this guy's weird kind of like situation and mm -hmm. kind of like brush it off, you know. And as an audience, you know, that, that little detail might, you know, go past you. But as you read on, as you read on and these things that are, you know, based on his fears keep happening. And once the big reveal happens at the end, because I don't really reveal much of the character until the very, very end, you know? And so like, it kind of like unfolds uh, um, um, at the very end and you get to understand all the little details that I had dropped throughout the story. You're like, oh, so that's why this, oh, that's why he was afraid of fire. Oh, that's why it was this. And that's why he acts like this. And, um, and so like that to me, that was the approach that I took was um, kind of like um, just hiding that iceberg, a lot of the iceberg beneath the water, you mm -hmm. know, and then um, at the very end, I kind of like pulled a chunk of it out to reveal to you um, um, who he was before this, you know, and why he's here and stuff like that. And um, also I wanted to make sure that I didn't do it in a way that was like kind of like, um, um, also cliche. So I had a tie that revealed to something. I just didn't want him to like, just sit down and start telling you about his backstory. Like, you know, um, um, cause I felt like that breaks a little bit of the immersion. So, mm -hmm. um, I tied it to a part of the story where he's dying. And so that's like the, that's like his, his life flashing in front of his eyes is the memories of, you know, the things that, you know, he had gone through in his life. And so you kind of see it in this retrospective, um, um, form and as he's like you know slowly fading away and so that's kind of like how I presented his backstory is you know at the very end when he's dying. Yeah you did it like a mosaic you had all these tiny little details which you know okay by themselves don't make a picture but then when you zoom exactly. out all of a sudden mm -hmm. all of a sudden exactly yeah. I, I love doing little details like that um, one of the things that I've done is have the characters um, express their religion, but they do it in their oath. You know, they do it basically when they're swearing. <laughs> and so, you know, so Allie, the first time she's up on the bridge of the starship and she's looking at this window that they built on, on, on the starship. Now she comes from submarines. A window in a submarine is a terrible idea, okay? And she's looking at this and she's going, you put a goddess-loving window on a starship? Are you insane? And she's saying this to the person who's out to hire her. Um, Kendra, I decided that she has latched onto the Greek gods. And so uh, in the latest book, very early on, she goes, Oh, Zeus love a swan. And that's, you know, she- You have to tie and it to another something. Character, yeah. And, and another character, uh, she seemed kind of a, a, 
a druid background, so she's often going, oh, oak and ash, you know, and, and that's how she swears. And so those little details help flesh out. They say so much about the background of the character without doing a deep mm -hmm. dive into explaining it. You know, it's the show don't tell kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. 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 I think, I think there's so many, there's so many layers to character development. Um, I think readers sometimes don't realize how many little things that authors have to do to make a character, <laughs> <laughs> to make a character interesting. Even all the things we talked about tonight, it's like, there's so many little things. Oh you know? yeah. <laughs> and every character has it too. Barely scratching the surface. Yeah, it's like, you know, it, it's so much, you know, you got to take into consideration, you know, especially when it comes to like the details and the last parts of editing and like, you know, that last, you know, uh, edit because like you have to like really, really iron out those details. And that's when it really comes into consideration, all the things you really have to like put into, you know, making sure that like Adam said, like tie little details into, you know, just the way you word things and stuff like, or the way the character would say certain things, mm. all ties to where he'll be from, you know, what kind of job he does, you know, um, um, just little things like that, like you know, would make the character it tell its own story just from him having a dialogue, you know, just just from that, you know, can give you a, back, a, a sort of a mini backstory on the character. There's so, there, there's literally, I feel like character development is so, endless because oh, yeah. you're talking culture religion the way they interact with the world um right the all of the hidden things that they have going on and i think the other piece that we didn't even get to touch on really is like characters are forever growing so it's like we as the author can always have another piece of them another layer of them that the reader hasn't experienced or doesn't know oh, yeah. Um, it's it's like the, the the funny thing in movies where like oh this person has a cousin who was this like whole thing <laughs> and like they introduced the cousin or the the uncle that they thought died this is not here now like there's all right there's always a way to to tell a deeper story and with side characters it's almost unlimited because oh, yeah it's like you don't even follow them as the reader so we can you can do so many things with the, their characters and what they're doing on the side um but i want to definitely say thank you thank you both for joining tonight uh, i feel like this has been a fruitful, a fruitful conversation i want to give you opportunity to drop where people can find you where they can connect with you where they can buy your books go for it samuel oh, okay so um well you can uh, uh catch me on amazon uh my book is on there as ochen's odyssey uh it's the first of the series um book one and um on twitter um at animate works and my website www.animateworks.com um and yeah those are the two places that i'm mainly you know i'm mainly on and that's where you can catch me okay um i'm on amazon as well and you can get all the cassidy books on there uh the the Kindle Vela project I told you about, Memories of Ayana, that's also through Amazon. And that's, 
I have a lot of fun writing it because it it is all character driven and it is all short little bites. Um, and the first ep three episodes are free for a reader. So go take a look. You can find me on Facebook or Instagram as Adam Gaffin. And the website is CassidyChronicles.com. And you can go from that website. There are pages with all sorts of links. There are links back to the podcast for that uh, Jabil has doing. And you can go from that website anywhere you need to go. And finally, you can always drop me an email, adamgaffinauthor at gmail.com. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks both of you for making the time. I can't wait to get this out. I can't wait to have, have hear conversations. Uh, there will definitely be more. This is a series I'm trying to run with lots of conversations about very specific topics regarding writing. So if someone's interested in getting, getting involved or writing a book or writing a story, uh, this is this is good information directly from some people who are currently writing, <laughs> who are who are authors Absolutely. who are getting through it and have a little bit of experience. Adam has a lot of bit of experience, but <laughs> right, I'm 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 the debut here, so <laughs> take take my take my advice with a grain of salt. <laughs> Right, at your own risk. Listen to me at your own risk. <laughs> Are you trying to say your mileage may vary? Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. Exactly. Uh... Feel free to follow me on Instagram at inspired by Jamil and check out my website, inspiredbyjamil.com, for more resources. Peace. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Check it out. Uh. Yeah. Maybe I was meant to give you my life in the first. The symptoms of curse. Starting from the bottom. Ain't no way that we gon' see worse. A product of environments that can't believe in you first. They need to see results. Just watch out as we're leeching the curse. Young, black, creative. Just trying to make it. Interracial dating, money making. Black power activists is never basic.